This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you for new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Today, we welcome in a Rhode Island broadcasting legend, the one and only Frank Carpano of NBC10. And of course, Frank has been a sportscaster on Channel 10 for decades. And look, he's a household name, somebody who's been a big part of Channel 10's dominance over the last several decades, just somebody who's been in a whole lot of living rooms through the television and now other platforms. And what's fascinating is that he still has the energy, he's still going strong, and we get into a really interesting conversation about the future of media, both on the local level and zooming out into like the global level. And He has a really interesting take on where television, radio, and traditional media fit into kind of the puzzle that includes social media, podcasting, whatever, um, the new media world. So great stuff today, a real pleasure and an honor even to have Frank Carpano here on B-Town and always an honor to have you along as well. Appreciate all of your support out there. Um, You can send me an email anytime, bill at ripodcast.com or go ahead and tweet at me at Bill Bartholomew. It's uh, it means a lot to hear from a lot of you throughout the week. Whether you're, you know, you have a question about something that's going on, you're commenting on a story, um, you're reaching out with a story idea, whatever it may be, keep the emails coming. It's great to hear from you, and I am truly appreciative of all of your support out there. We have seen enormous growth just here in season four since January. And a lot of that, you know what that is? That's word of mouth. I don't spend money on advertising or any of that nonsense. You know, there's no spamming or anything like that. That's it's all because of you out there. And uh, I really appreciate it. Just spreading the word, talking about the show, sharing episodes on social media. It's been growing organically. And that is probably the thing I'm most proud of is that grassroots element to B-Town. All right, let's get into it today. This is, a, again, this is a fun episode. Somebody that I grew up watching and I'm sure many, many of you also grew up watching. Maybe he even covered your high school field hockey game or something like that. <laughs> The one, the only, Frank Carpano, here on B-Town, Rhode Island's podcast of record. All right, so Frank Carpano, ladies and gentlemen, and, and an absolute legend of television, of sports here in Rhode Island. Thanks so much for hopping on. Appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Nice to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, of course. It was, you know, it's it's interesting because you're so ubiquitous with channel 10 with television with sports in in rhode island and you know i i remember being at the duncan doyle then the providence civic center and realizing oh wow you you're also the voice the pa voice of the providence friars when i was like 12 years old or whatever and being like how do you do that how do you run around how can you have multiple jobs and you've been able to just find a way to just be a part of so many people's lives in rhode island and southern new england for so long so i guess what's that experience like Oh, that's probably the most fun part of the job. Um, you know, I, people ask me, you know, what over my 41 years at NBC 10, what is the uh, coolest thing or the best thing you've done? And granted, there's been, you know, the Super Bowls and the, and the World Series and the, and the Olympics and stuff. But, you know, the one local story that or a couple local stories that kind of jump out. I mean, one is back in 1996, the Cranston Western Little League team went to the Little League World Series in Williamsport. Yep. I followed them there and, and got to know the parents and they won the U.S. championship, which no Rhode Island team had done before. And it was just such a great experience with those kids who are now probably in their 30s. And then the other one was uh, Elizabeth Beisel, who I interviewed as an eight-year-old um, when she was eight years old. And I thought I had a daughter who was 
younger, but I'm like, I had heard about this, this young girl who was an unbelievable swimmer, was a concert pianist and, and, and did great in school. And I said, I had to meet this girl. So I did. And I, I met the most outgoing, bubbly young lady uh, at eight years old that I've ever met. And don't you know that years later, uh, she becomes an Olympic swimmer and wins uh, Olympic medals. So, you know, it's stories like that where you, you get to see, uh, you know, young kids and, and their parents together in, in those types of situations that uh, is really rewarding. And youth sports, high school sports, even obviously college with with URI, with Providence College, and now Bryant and Brown also making their way into that conversation. But it's such an important part of Rhode Island culture. It's 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 embedded in what it means to be Rhode Island to a certain extent. Absolutely. And, and it's funny because those people tend to pop up, uh, you know, uh, also uh, every so often, for example, uh, last week we were doing a story about the Henrikin and Mount St. Charles hockey teams and how they, uh, because of COVID weren't able to finish their hockey series. So talking to the coaches and, uh, and Matt Merton, who is the head coach for Mount St. Charles, once interned for me back in the 1980s yeah. when he played hockey at Providence College. So there's all sorts of connections like that. And as we know, there's no, no such thing as six degrees of separation in the state of Rhode Island. Yeah, definitely not. And it's, it is what a challenging year for sports in general and particularly for sports broadcasting. I mean, we've seen ratings take a hit in on actual national telecasts. We've seen talk radio kind of get into a position where, especially in the thick of COVID, what do you talk about? Where do you go? Um, you know, I remember Joe Kayata doing, you know, people shooting Nerf basketballs into dumpsters or something like that. That was the six o'clock sports report on the weekends. But how has this year been for you trying to pivot and cover sports when sports were paused or are so limited in scope compared to the other 41 years of your career? Well, one year ago, this coming Thursday, I was in New York covering the Big East tournament. Yeah. And at halftime of a, a game that preceded the Providence College game later that afternoon, they pulled the plug. They said, that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because of this COVID thing, we're, we're pulling the plug on the entire tournament. And so, you know, we've heard a little bit about COVID at that point. And, and my photographer and I, Scott Santos, we went outside in front of Madison Square Garden to do a live shot. And I remember seeing people walk by with masks on. And I, and I remember thinking, geez, you know, that's really kind of over the top that people are wearing masks. And here we are a year later, we're all wearing masks. But, uh, you know, the year people always ask me, and certainly in the thick of it uh, last spring, you know, you know, what are you covering? There was always plenty of sports news. What there wasn't were sports games. So, you know, as the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs and then a shortened baseball season returned. You know, we got that back. But there was always sports news to cover, Bill. I remember distinctly when I looked up that I was in Newport performing a, a gig on a Wednesday night. And I looked up and saw on the, on the te television screen, NBA suspends and cancels season. And it was kind of like, okay, this is real. You know, for that type of financial bath to take place, you know that this is this is just the beginning of, and then shortly thereafter, the Big East, as you mentioned, the whole NCAA tournament, and you just realize, wow, this is unprecedented. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I have friends who own restaurants and, and they had the plug pulled on their business and they said, well, we're going to be out for a couple of weeks. Well, it ended up being much more than that. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting that you should mention music. People say, well, what do you miss most? I, well, I, obviously, I miss the games, 
But the other thing that I really miss, and I can't wait till we get back, is music. Yeah. I love going out to listen to, to live music bands uh, in Rhode Island, and there's so many great ones, and, and that hasn't gotten back yet. And that, that's one thing that I'm really, truly looking forward to. Yeah, hopefully this summer with the outdoor options, that's something that could be considered at minimum. But I guess kind of looking at the whole scope of your career, this your, your role, you know, I can still picture that old Channel 10, six o'clock open, boom, here's Doug White, you know, Ginger Casey, of course, but then of course, Patrice, Gary Lay, Frank Carpano, the four of you, you know, that's hello, Rhode Island. We're coming into your living room and you're going to be with us until Brokaw and then dinner. You know, that was everybody's life for so long. And obviously it's changed. Obviously the, the dynamics of media have changed, but somehow the six o'clock news, the 11 o'clock news sportscast is still a relevant space and is still an important space, both locally and covering international sports, if relevant in that moment. So what's that like navigating that? Well, and plus, you know, around those shows that you mentioned, the six and 11, uh, we've built a, a lot more news programs. Yeah, I can remember when I first started, the lead into the six o'clock news was uh, Star Trek. Um, oh. <laughs> so, you know, and, and we didn't have a, a morning news. So now we start at 4.30 in the morning on NBC 10, 4.30 to 7, and then the, the Today Show. And then we come back on at five o'clock and we do an hour and a half until 6.30. And we come back on at seven o'clock and do a half hour. And then we do another half hour at 10 o'clock on MeTV, which is our, our sister station. And then we do another half hour at 11 o'clock. So uh, there's a lot more news to go around and uh, a lot more time for us to tell our stories. What's the best part of being in a position where you're a, a Rhode Island icon or your household name? And what's the most difficult part of that? Uh, first of all, I don't think of myself that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's nice to be recognized. I, I will say that it's it's nice because it's it's a um, validation of of the work that you're doing. And and you know, to have somebody come up to me and say, "Hey, you you covered me when I was in high school," and, and now I I get uh, you know uh, kids that come up and with their dads, and their dads say that you know now you're covering my son after you covered me when I played high school football. That I really get a kick out of that. So that. That's really nice, you know, to have been in one place for so long and to be able to have a foot in the community and, and to be able to see these these young kids come up through, you know, youth sports and then high school sports. And, and if they're lucky enough to continue, you know, in the college ranks and, and the few who are that good that they can go on to the professional ranks is, is really is really uh, a nice thing. You know, one guy that kind of pops to mind is, is Rocco Baldelli. We started... Sure you know, following him when he played um, at Henrikin. And then, you know, he goes and he has a, a professional career that's cut short by a health issue. And now he's the manager of the Minnesota Twins and, and still the nicest guy that you'd ever want to meet. So the Woonsocket Rocket. Uh, excuse me? The Woonsocket Rocket. Woonsocket Rocket. He's just, you know, and that's those are the type of stories and, and the type of people that you meet that really, you know, warm your heart and make it feel worthwhile what you're doing. Yeah. What, what's your own personal background in sports? Uh, well, the reason why you never saw me in ma Major League Baseball or any sport, <laughs> I couldn't play, but I always wanted to go. I always wanted to see it. So, you know, I was never, you know, really good enough. I played some tournament tennis right through, you know, college and stuff and was decent. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, I tried them all, but I really didn't have the aptitude. 
Um, but so the next best thing is to go in and to cover the sports. And I started that actually when I was in high school. Uh, I worked at a local radio station in Framingham. Uh, then I went to uh, Ithaca College, uh, got a uh, communications degree there, came back to the radio thing in, in, uh, in Framingham, and then got my first TV job in Worcester. Uh, so I, I did both those jobs, and I was there a short time in Worcester when Channel 10 called, and I, I worked a year part-time. So I was working all three jobs, basically six or seven days a week which is what you do when you're young and you want to get into the business. Yep. And, um, and then fortunately um, the person who was the, the number two person behind Chris Clark back in the early eighties, Joe zone left. And I got bumped up uh, to that full-time position. And then uh, eventually uh, when Chris Clark left, then I was bumped up to, to the main position. And that's where I've been ever since. All right, folks, this is getting real. The time for talk is over. From iron workers to engineers, business owners to biology teachers, Rhode Islanders believe in the power of offshore wind. Together, we're cleaning the air and creating jobs right here at home. Our goal of 100% renewables by 2030 is in sight, and the future is bright with Rhode Island a real leader in America's emerging offshore wind industry. So what makes you a Revolution Wind believer? Join us at revolution-wind.com slash it's real. That's revolution-wind.com slash it's real. Let's go. You know, boy, you've had quite a a slew of cohorts. You know, Joe Rocco, um, yep. someone I had as a college professor, uh, Tim Gray, then... Uh, uh, Keith Russell, of course. I mean, doing the rhymes and everything on this on the news, and now Joe Kayata for quite some time now. But you've built a space in the market where Channel Ten Sports is a thing. It's not. It's not just about you or that. You know, four minutes of of news segment, if you will, that four minute news segment. It's a brand in and of itself. And you have your. I've been inside your building at, at one point. I saw your office. You know, there's basketball laying around or whatever it is. But it's got a great feel to this community. Yeah, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that we get the leeway to cover the things that we want. You know, one name that you missed, and, and maybe you weren't even uh, aware, Jack Edwards. who is Oh, the, sure. Yep, 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 yep. After the Bruins uh, worked with us for a couple of years in the, in the early uh, 1980s. So, uh, yeah, it's been quite a, quite a stable of, of some very talented and, and, and very nice people. But, but yeah, you know, the, the, um, the companies that we've worked for have given us uh, the leeway to be able to cover sports the way we want to cover sports. And that's, that's really been a blessing because I don't know that uh, every station can say that about yeah. their coverage and sports commitment. What's your, what's your take on radio versus television, having experience in both of them? Sometimes I've heard people say, look, radio is more fun. You get more time, but television, it, you, you pay the bills and you get more exposure as a, as a persona. What's your take on that? Well, first of all, I, you know, I came up through radio and I, uh, you know, back in the eighties, when, when young people who wanted to get into the business asked me how, you know, I told them the way I did. It, and I always thought that that was the best way because, you know, you, you just worried about your writing, which is always very important on any level and, you know, how you sounded and how you delivered your, uh, your story. Uh, and then, you know, when you graduate to television, then you worry about how you look and, and you kind of mesh the both two of them together. Um, now that doesn't, that doesn't happen anymore. These kids are coming out of school um, with incredible experience and incredible um, resume reels. And, uh, you know, nobody, not a lot of people make their first stop 
in radio. Although, you know, there have been people in Providence now who, uh, you know, have graduated from the likes of WPRO doing news there, uh, you know, into um, television jobs in the market. So, uh, you know, it still does happen that way with uh, newspaper people and with radio people. Um, but, you know, in terms of having more time, you know, I, uh, you know, sometimes I do envy uh, the radio guys that, that have, you know, hours on top of hours to, to be able to talk sports. And we're, you know, uh, trying to carve out our own niche where we do have a little bit more than usual time to be able to, to uh, express some views. And that may be something that's coming up down the road because, you know, right now when you, um, when you think about it, we uh, are, I mean, do you know how long our sports segment is? I'll ask you. How long I would guess 180 seconds. Uh, so we do like three minutes to four minutes. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Yep. And we put a lot into that. And, and, you know, people always uh, tease me about, Hey, you know, you work three minutes a night, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> day, you know, little do they know all that, that goes into it. You know, my day, you know, here we are just after noontime and uh, my day started early this morning, working on a couple of stories and we'll continue through the evening. So, yeah. Uh, but you know what, Bill, I, you know, I'm sure you can attest to this. You know, if you're doing something that you love, then it's really not work. You know, I, I think about it and people go, wow, 41 years, you know, when are you going to retire? And I'm like, I, I love what I do. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely my job, but it's also my hobby. I, I, I've been so fortunate to be able to do it and do it during a period of time uh, where the local teams have been so successful, you know, be it, you know, the Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox, and Patriots that we cover as our own, uh, you know, right down to the, to the college basketball teams and, you know, the P Bruins and the Pawtucket Red Sox. So, and, and the youth teams that, you know, it, it, we have, it's been really rich with, with championships that, you know, I, I don't think that it would have been uh, as, as I look back as satisfying a career, if I didn't have those things to cover. Yeah, that, that doesn't hurt the cause. I mean, and, and even with in college hoops here, we've had, glimmers of certainly in the 90s we had back-to-back years of extreme excitement with respect to the the men's tournament but you know you think about the jim Barron era of of uri hoops there were some nit appearances and but great games great matchups that that against the the phil martelli st joe's teams i mean those were big time games happening in kingston rhode island so even in years that were championship wise lean there's still a magnet for great sports taking place in Rhode Island. The platforms are there for it. Well, and, and the thing that keeps us in business are the passionate fans. You know, I mean, URI fans are extremely passionate about their team, as are Providence College fans. And, you know, maybe to a lesser extent, Brown University and Bryant University fans. Um, you know, it's it, th- th- I love that. You know, whether they, uh, you know, think that, we should do more coverage uh, of their team or not. Sometimes they get on us and I'm like, and people, doesn't that bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. I love it because those are the people that keep us in business. You know, it's, it's, it's what being a fan is all about. And, and I wish I had more time, you know, most nights to be able to tell more of their stories. Yeah. It seems like, you know, a digital sports program could work really well in Rhode Island. I'll say that, you know, with, uh, with, with a trusted voice. And Kevin Max doing a good job with his stuff and, and that his his new show on WPRO, but that's there's room for more of that. People care enough. People are passionate. You could probably do a, a, a URI show in and of itself 
I don't know, nightly, but certainly weekly, there's enough content where pe- people really do care here in a, in a way that it's compelling that certainly having lived in New York for a decade and listening to WFAN almost nonstop, particularly Francesa, you know, college sports didn't quite resonate there. You could have a great season for St. John's and eh, no one really cares. Rutgers football is ranked. No one really cares. You know, it's, but here it does trickle down to college and even high school and certainly the independents like Elizabeth Beisel that you go, wow, people, this is a part of the culture of the state just as much as anything else. Well, when you mentioned that, you know, college takes a backseat in, in New York, the same can be said in Boston. You know, Boston yep. College has a good year. You don't really hear people calling into to the sports radio stations in Boston and talking about it. So, you know, we always joke that, you know, our college teams are kind of like our professional teams here. Yep. I mean, when, when the PC and URI are going good, you know, you've got 7,000 people at the Ryan Center at URI. You've got 12,000 plus at the Dunkin' Donuts Center to watch PC games. You know, that's that's pretty impressive. I don't even think that, in, you know, in in Boston, for example, Boston College, if they had a really good team, I'm not sure that they're, you know, they're they're blowing up, you know, the Conti Forum there. So, um, you know, it's uh, I think I think people, um, you know, enjoy the local sports here, and, it, and it's certainly different than than pro sports, uh, you know. But I love the enthusiasm. That's something that I've I've really missed, you know, doing the PA for for PC this year. We we're doing it up uh, on campus at Alumni Hall, and there are no fans, no fans. Yeah, and it just you know, it, it, you're missing that energy and uh, not only, you know, for the home games, but on the road. And I, I had said to, to coach Cooley, I said, you know, that's almost like the sixth man, be it for better or for worse, you know, where you're, you're lighting a little fire on the kids, you know, if things are a little slow, you know, a crowd can get behind you and they can help, you know, pull you through the, the tough spots by the same token. If you're on the road and people are getting on you, you know, that helps intensify your focus in a game if, if things aren't going well and, and might might propel you to the win. So, you know, that's that's the great thing about sports is, is the passion of the fans in addition to the, you know, to the great play on the fields. Who are some of the great characters that have come through Rhode Island sports, some of your, your favorite people, whether they're known or unknown? Uh, characters. Well, uh, Vinny Paz, boxer. Sure, yeah. Uh, he, he might be right there, you know, uh, <laughs> for the top of the character list. Um, you know, it was kind of cool. I was I was his ring announcer for about 20 of his fights um, during his heyday. Uh, the first time they asked me was prior to his first fight at the um, Civic Center. And they asked me to do it. And I'm like, okay, I mean, how many people are they going to get there? You know, how many? Yeah. This, this Joe Frazier Jr. was fighting back in, I think it was 86. And uh, he said, oh, no, we're going to sell up, sell at the Civic Center. I'm like, yeah, okay. Son of a gun, if uh, Jimmy Birchfield, the local promoter, and Angelo Pazienza, Benny's dad, don't knock on every door and, and sell tickets. And that night, there was no television coverage, and the place was busting out with people. And there was a lot of people with uh, two coats and ties who probably left right after work, went and got a bite to eat, and came in to see what this guy, Benny Paz, was all about. And that was kind of the start of it, how you know he, he just you know, kind of propelled himself onto the national scene. Uh, who else? Bill Lee, uh, the spaceman from the Red Sox, gotten to know him. He, he is one incredible character. Um, those two are, are, you know, are probably uh, near the top of my list. But that's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, w- I would stick with those guys uh, as as over the course of forty one years who are who are pretty big characters. Uh, a lot of great personalities. You know, Coach Coach Cooley at PC is is. Uh, 
is quite a character and a, and a, and a great personality, good person to deal with. Uh, um, you know, the intensity of someone like Rick Pitino when he came through here, that was really something. Um, so, you know, we've, we've had our, our share of those types of people. Ed Nottle, when he was the manager of the, of the Pawtucket Red Sox, he, he was a character, you know, on off nights, you'd see him singing in local bars. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was, he was a pretty good guy. So, yeah, that would, you know, just a quick, you know, off the top of my head, those are the names that come to mind. With your experience inside the television news sector, so to speak, the local news sector, where does the industry go from here? Where do you pivot to expand to new audiences just to kind of adapt? I mean, you are obviously turned to 10.com. That's a thing. There's digital presence. You've got multiple outlets. It's, It's not as if that's not happening, but there are some people who make the argument that and I, I actually have no idea if this is true or not, but that local television, that, that talk radio, that the formats are in danger of 10, 20 years from now collapsing. What do you, what do you say about that? That I don't know. Uh, you know, I know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm of a mind that, you know, when it comes to things like, you know, Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, that those platforms are great uh to promote your main product which is on the big stick which is on nbc 10 you know i we don't i don't think we make any money on twitter we don't make any money on facebook but what we do make money on is on nbc 10 and turn to 10.com and you know a lot of our efforts you know have have gone to that um and you know and i'm sure that our people are looking you know how can we make money on different platforms you know with nbc 10 app i'm sure is, is another revenue generator um, you know, I think that there will always be, um, you know, local news, um, and and I and I think that, uh, uh, you know, where you'll be able to find it, there'll probably be many more ways to find it. But I, I think you'll always be able to find it on TV because I think there will always be TV. And you know, they'll you know, you look now at NBC. NBC just started the the Peacock, and, and they're putting a lot of material there. And and I could see a local station doing that as well. Uh, but you know. Right now, the you know the goose that still lays the golden egg is the TV station. Yeah, it's so true, and and a lot of people there's there's this notion that digital media is coming in to replace traditional media, and I find, and obviously, I'm certainly not uh, an expert. I'm I'm new, relatively new, in all of this, but there is no question the podcast here this reaches. A lot of people, it reaches a certain amount of people. Um, a Facebook post reaches certain people. But talk radio, WPRO, or a piece that may come out on Rhode Island PBS, that reaches a lot of people as well. So this it may just be that more people find their preferences or just consume more stuff as well, including the traditional platforms, that it's not simply that it's going to be replaced. And I think that's where the, I, I hope anyway, that that's where things go, where it's not... Well, I don't. I don't listen to, you know. I never. I never listen to the radio anymore. I only listen to podcasts. Well, it might be people have a balance of how they do things, and they just have more control of their specific preferences. Well, let, let you know. I'm thinking here. I want to take you a little history lesson here, and, and some of this you may remember during your lifetime, and and maybe other ways not. Back when, and this was before my time, but back back when FM became. Uh, a big thing because radio started just as AM FM sounded so much clearer and everything. People said it's the end of AM radio. 
well, it's not the end of AM radio. Here we are, you know, 50, 60 years later. And then when uh, DVD players came out and people could watch movies at home, people said, it's the end of the movie theaters. No, yeah. Nobody's going to go to the movie theaters anymore. Well, fact of the matter is, you know, the pandemic obviously has changed that a little bit. People aren't, are still going to the movie theaters because you cannot replace that experience. Um, so, you know, AM radio has, has cut out its own little niche. Uh, you know, you, you know, you probably, uh, AM ra- uh, music station, probably not so much, but, you know, it's cut out its niche as, as, you know, talk. That's primarily where you can find talk. Um, but, um, and you're still going to, to a, a movie theater because I can try and, you know, replicate it in my house with surround sound and a big screen and everything, but it's not the same experience as actually being in a movie theater. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. And the same for music, the same for, it's interesting is as a musical artist, the, the, the idea of Spotify and everything taking over, which is, there is a convenience to it and you have so much more access, but there's something about back in when I was in middle school, getting dropped off at Newberry comics and having to decide which CD do I want to get, which artist do I want to get? And then holding it in your hand and experiencing reading the lyrics, that experience is you can't match that in the digital space. So I wonder if the physical music world is going to come back at some point where people are going to say, hey, look, I want that experience of making a choice and living with it in a way that you just don't get if you're listening to Spotify playlists that somebody else created for you. Well, and, and we'll use this as an example too. You know, when, when uh, you could use a CD to play music and as great as that sounded, you know, that kind of spelled the end of... of um, vinyl records but now vinyl records are making a comeback so yeah. for you know a true aficionado who can really tell the difference people are are, are going back to that and to what extent i'm not sure and are you someone who can kind of tell the difference you know between music on a cd versus on vinyl absolutely no question about it and it's a different experience too because then you you open up that package and you you place it on the on the record player and you're watching it move around and it's it's got a different fidelity. That's a different experience than just saying, "Oh, let me put some music on and get some work done." Right, right. So, all that said, you know, I think that television will survive. You yeah. know, with this, as the platforms and the ways to consume video expands, I, I think it. You know, it's it's here to stay. Fingers crossed. He said. <laughs> Last question. So I go back here on this one, uh, 1999, you were holding, I think it was 99, maybe 98. You were holding, uh, you were doing a, a television, uh, a feature series on this, uh, a weekly feature series, Rhode Island's most difficult golf hole. And I wrote to you about the eighth hole at the now defunct Lindbrook golf club. And you had written back and said, Hey, look, let's try to make this happen. It never happened. Do you think you'll ever do that, that series again? And if, if so, can I be a part of it? <laughs> now Lindbrook is where well it was in uh, hopkinton rhode island it was it became it was an all par three course it's where i learned golf um at like a summer camp type thing right when tiger woods emerged i became obsessed with golf and it was a beautiful course and then it was purchased by foxwoods they got boulder hill and Lindbrook simultaneously somewhere in the last 15 years it went away and I drove by there last summer and saw it was all overgrown and, and now it's buttonholes is, is where you go if you want to play par three. But it's fascinating to think about golf in Rhode Island and just what a beautiful 
golf world we have, how many courses there are, how many, how much variety there is here and how you can lose a course that so many people loved and it still doesn't impact necessarily the bottom line of the whole sport here. Yeah. You know, it is kind of sad to hear that, that story. And, you know, I used to have a restaurant over in Seekonk where Firefly golf courses and that golf course has, uh, you know, isn't what it was. I'm not even sure it's still open as a golf course. And Metacomet is another one that, you know, people are going to be developing for something other than golf, yeah. uh, you know, and, and Valley country club in, in Warwick uh, is a, another one that is probably headed in, in that direction. Uh, it's sad because there are so many beautiful golf courses in Rhode Island uh, that um, it, it's a shame that, that things like that, um, especially a place like Metacama, which is it's got such historical value that is is going uh, going away. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm lucky I got to play it. I was on my high school team, and by the way, I'm not. Especially back then, it was a terrible golfer. You know, I've 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 gotten it together a little bit. This in the last during COVID, I, I went and played buttonhole like four days a week. So at least my short game's on fire now. But but I'm lucky as a high school golfer, I got to play a lot of these great courses, including Metacomet. So as that story has been developing and, and no pun intended and the developments being proposed, you know, I can think back to, wow, that's a magical space. And people have a real misconception about golf. They see it as it's, and it is expensive to play a lot of places, no doubt about it, but that it's somehow this waspy, you know, elite sport, you know, type of thing. And to me, my experience was it was a really inclusive sport. And I played with people of all stripes and all backgrounds and still do. And it's such a magical experience that to lose a place like Metacomet, I mean, that's, boy, that's, that's that sad commentary on the state of the world. It is. Uh, and I just hope that there are, another, there are no others that are headed in the same direction. Yeah. Um, last question here. You, you say you're not uh, interested in retiring, which, which, hey, why not? Why would you if you're enjoying what you're doing? But what do you want your legacy to be? When it's all said and done, when people think about Frank Carpano and they think about the slot that you created and the dominance that you've had in terms of on television, no, no disrespect to your competitors who do a good job. They do a fine job at times, but Channel 10's sports report, that's the, that's the place to be. What do you want the legacy to be? Well, uh, you know what? I haven't really thought about it because, you know, I'm certainly closer to the finish than I am to the beginning, but I just, I really haven't, haven't thought about that. I think that's something that you think about, you know, when you're sitting out on the, on the uh, 19th hole after yeah. round. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing stories about, you know, Rhode Islanders, Southern New Englanders, uh, you know, and, and covering the biggest stories, you know, the, uh, the Super Bowls and the World Series and the Olympics and, and, uh, getting to know uh, people, it's uh, in Rhode Island. Um, you know, it, it really has been a great work-life balance being um, a sportscaster at Channel Ten, and the relationships that I've built, you know, inside and outside of the station, uh, are are things that you know I have just been so fortunate uh, to to have in my life. That um, I'm just I'm. I guess bottom line is I'm just one lucky guy. Rhode Island's podcast of record. B-Town, 